Well, hi there, and welcome to the November 4th, 2011 edition of Everything You Know Is Wrong, the Radio Free Oz daily podcast, and I'm your host, Peter Bergman, and I'm taking a look at Mr. Empty Suit, the man who scares us mittless, Mitt Romney. Let's go back to a better time, when Mitt was pro-choice. Mitt Romney was firm and direct with the abortion rights advocates sitting in his office nine years ago, assuring the group that if elected Massachusetts governor, he would protect the state's abortion laws. Then, as the meeting drew to a close, the businessman offered an intriguing suggestion that he would rise to national prominence in the Republican Party as a victor in a liberal state and could use his influence to soften the GOP's hardline opposition to abortion. He would be a good voice in the party for their cause, and his moderation on the issue would be widely written about. Oh, only fondly to be hoped. So he did become, in fact, governor of Massachusetts, as we all know, passed a very forward-thinking health law, was indeed pro-choice. But now, nine years later, he's running to be the candidate for a wacko party, still called the GOP. But it should be given a new name. The Tea Publicans, the Out to Lunchers, I'm not sure. So let's take a look at the great flip flopper now. Well, the Democratic National Committee is hitting Mitt Romney over his support of life at conception legislation, which is on the ballot in Mississippi and could crop up on ballots across the country. In a letter from Patrick Gaspard, the executive director of the DNC, the personhood amendments, this is the amendment basically that says, at fertilization, that embryo or that speck has full personhood. It's before the law. You know, to, to abort it is to kill it. You know, good Romney. He thinks tiny embryos are persons and he thinks corporations are persons. He's big into persons. Okay, so the personal amendments are described as radical measures that would elevate a fertilized human egg to the status of a legal person. They would ban IUDs, the morning-after pill, in vitro fertilization, and all abortions, with no exceptions for pregnancies resulting from rape or incest or in cases where the life of a woman is at stake. This is barbarian thinking. This belongs in Iran with the Ayatollahs. Not the great Persian mass, but the Ayatollahs. In other words, the DNC says, a leading candidate for the GOP nomination for president is on the record in favor of a law that would classify literally all abortions and even many forms of birth control as murder. Well, maybe he can put Rick Perry on the ticket as his vice president, and his vice president can execute all the people that murder all those speck-like embryos, says the DNC. To be clear, this is the most radical position any of the Republican candidates have taken on this issue, and maybe the most radical position any of them have taken on any substantive issue in the race for the nomination so far. Let's get the response from the Romney campaign, because we may be doing him ill. Maybe we've got things up side down. Maybe he's not flip-flopping. Maybe he's flop-flipping. Romney spokesman Andrea Saul said, it's too bad that this White House isn't as focused on attacking unemployment as they are in attacking our campaign. Hold on. We're talking here about a super radical bill on choice. And his campaign comes back with, hey, why aren't you trying to do something about the unemployment problem? Because we in the GOP aren't. (laughs) In fact, we're willing to bring the whole system down just to make the not me in the White House a one-term president. It is getting pretty weird. And Mitt is part, indeed, of this weirdness. 
Hi, this is Willard Romney, but you can call me Mitt because it tests better. And welcome to Romney's Empty Suit Store. Nothing covers an emperor who has no clothes like a Romney empty suit. Cut out of whole cloth, there is plenty of room in the rear for backpedaling, and every Romney empty suit is stench guarded and teflonized, so that no matter how many times you flip-flop or stretch the truth, you come up wrinkle-free smelling like a rose. Need a cravat? I have a fine selection of neckwear that will tie you to Wall Street, K Street, or Easy Street. Take your choice. And of course, shoes make the man. So step into a pair of Romney Triangulators. Their self-adjusting hydraulic heels keep your head above water when you're in out of your depth. So visit me at Romney's Empty Suit Store, running continuously since 2006. And if you know the secret handshake, you're welcome to shop our exclusive selection of Mormon underwear in the back. Now this one really gets to me. It's under the classification of Are Republicans Sabotaging the Economy? Now get this. Greg Sargent found this question in the recent Suffolk University poll conducted in Florida. Do you think the Republicans are intentionally stalling efforts to jumpstart the economy to ensure that Barack Obama is not reelected? Ready? By a 49% to 39% margin, Floridians said they were, while 12% were undecided. 49% of the voters polled in Florida, a major swing state, said yes, the Republicans were intentionally stalling the economy to bring down Obama. Now, Steve Bennon says, here's a suggestion for other pollsters. Given these results in one of the nation's largest states and the fact that the charge has been made by so many prominent political voices, perhaps it's time to start putting the question to a national audience. Well, the National Journal reports that Senate Republicans blocked a $60 billion infrastructure bill, making the bill the second piece of President Obama's jobs proposal to be voted down by the Senate. They just keep blocking 9999 no 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 with 51% of the voters saying that jobs and the economy are the most pressing issues in the nation today, 49% say they believe that the Republicans are intentionally hindering efforts to boost the economy so President Obama will not be reelected. 39% disagreed, as expected. Most registered Democrats, 70% agreed that Republicans are blocking the way. 52% of independents agreed. And even 24%, a full quarter of Republicans agreed. To be sure, this wasn't a national poll. It only asked voters in one state, but it's a large, diverse swing state that both parties take very seriously. And in Florida, nearly half of the voters, a majority of Dems and independents, believe Republicans are so craven, so devoid of a sense of duty to their country, that they're holding back the economy on purpose because they hate Obama more than they care about the rest of us. Nearly one in four Republicans believe that's true. This is beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Half the voters in Florida, which is a fairly representative state, agree that the Republicans are wreckers. They are sabotaging the economy. They are keeping the unemployed unemployed. This is monstrous. But does it affect their take on the Republican Party? No. It seems that the uh, Obama, Romney, um, Obama, Kane figures as they're projected remain pretty much the same. So they know a quarter of the Republicans, over half of the independents, well over half of the Democrats know that the Republicans are 
economically treacherous. I don't know even how to even how to put it. I know that in the past there have been programs put forward by the right and sometimes by the left that are way out to lunch. But never have you seen a party that openly admits it is willing to wreck our economy for their own narrow sectarian political purposes. This is a shame, this is a tragedy, and I just don't get it. Is it that our self-esteem is so low that we're willing to let people take terrible advantage of us? Have we grown so cynical? Cynical. Uh, uh, a function of depression, ignorance, fear, avoidance. Have we come to that point where we feel we're so out of control that we just don't care? We know the bastards are playing us, but what the hell? Again, moi, speaking just for moi, I don't get it. Been up all night slamming and spamming? Yes, I have. Been chugging back shiny cans of Hacker Smack like there's no tomorrow? Which there isn't. And hey, dude, I got the munches for crunches. You're smacked. Time to get snacked. Introducing Sugar Snacks, the sugar-coated sugar coats. So sweet, so sour, so salty that even your trash tongue will catch the taste. Try one. Mmm. They're crackly. That's because they're dipped in crack. Hacker Snacks, the other side of the roller coaster ride. Available in a handy two pack for those of you already seeing double. Hacker Snacks are a deniable byproduct of Alzheimer's Brewery, Rehab, Colorado. Do not consume this product while operating heavy machinery while giving birth on the interstate. Oh, yes, indeed, things are pretty fakakta here on the domestic scene, but let us. Let us fly away from America, across the great blue, to the edge of our empire, the dream soon becoming a nightmare. Clive Stafford Smith is an American lawyer, and he's the director of Reprieve, an organization that advocates for prisoners' rights. And he says, Last Friday I took part in an unusual meeting in Pakistan's capital, Islamabad. The meeting had been organized so that Pashtun tribal elders who had lived along the Pakistani-African frontier could meet with Westerners for the first time to offer their perspectives on the shadowy drone war being waged by the Central Intelligence Agency in their region. Twenty men came to air their views. Some brought their young sons along to experience this rare interaction with Americans. In all, 60 villagers made the journey. The meeting was organized as a traditional jurga. In Pashtun culture, a jirga acts as both a parliament and a courtroom. It is a time-honored way in which Pashtuns have tried to establish rules and settle differences amicably with those who they feel have wronged them. On the night before the meeting, we had a dinner to break the ice. During the meal, I met a boy named Tariq Aziz. He was 16, and as we ate, the stern, bearded faces all around me slowly melted into smiles. Tariq smiled much sooner. He was too young to boast much facial hair and too young to have learned to hate. The next day, the jirga lasted several hours. I had a translator, but the gist of each man's speech was clear. American drones would circle their homes all day before unleashing hellfire missiles, often in the dark hours between midnight and dawn. Death lurked everywhere around them. When it was my turn to speak, I mentioned the official American position that these were precision strikes and no innocent civilians had been killed in 15 months. My comment was met with snorts of derision. 
I told the elders that the only way to convince the American people of their suffering was to accumulate physical proof that civilians had been killed. Three of the men, at considerable personal risk, had collected the detrius of half a dozen missiles. They had taken 100 pictures of the carnage. In one instance, they matched missile fragments with a photograph of a dead child killed in August 2010 during the CIA's period of supposed infallibility. This made their grievances much more tangible. At the end of the day, Tariq stepped forward. He volunteered to gather proof if it would help to protect his family from future harm. We told him to think about it some more before moving forward. If he carried a camera, he might attract the hostility of the extremists. But the militants never had the chance to harm him. On Monday, he was killed by a CIA drone strike along with his 12-year-old cousin, Wahid Khan. The two of them had been dispatched with Tariq driving to pick up their aunt and bring her home to the village of Norak when their short lives were ended by a hellfire missile. My mistake had been to see the drone war in Waziristan in terms of abstract legal theory as a blatantly illegal invasion of Pakistan's sovereignty, akin to President Richard Nixon's bombing of Cambodia in 1970. But now the issue had suddenly become very real and personal. Tariq was a good kid and courageous. My warm hand recently touched his in friendship, yet within three days he would be cold in death, the rigor mortis inflicted by my government. By me, my taxes pay for it. By you, your taxes pay for it. And Tariq's extended family, so recently hoping to be our allies for peace, has been ripped apart by American missiles, most likely making any effort we make at reconciliation futile. President Obama, you are the drone king. You are responsible for these deaths. 16-year-olds, 12-year-olds, innocents all across that land are being killed because of your orders, your instruments of death. Wake up. Wake up, President Obama. We've all got to stay awake. And one way to stay awake is to keep Radio Friaz on the air. Go up to RadioFriaz.com, push the big green button, and donate. It's beginning to happen again. We're here. We're going to get through this together.